Episode 89 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name, as always, is Adam Camilleri. I'm joined by uh, the Boy King, the, uh, I, don't, I don't know, the Young Swarm Lord. I don't, I don't really know what else to say. His name's John Lennon. You may have heard of him. You may have heard of some other John Lennon out there at some point and did some stuff. This one's far more important, far more famous, far more noteworthy as well for his accomplishments. Um, John, hello, welcome. Hello, hello. Uh, I, think, I think we can just switch it over to the Bug King. The, yes, instead of the boy, boy king, the bug king. I like this. Yeah, you know, people have been calling me the boy king, but I'm getting older. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, I'm there's, the bug king. yeah. There's only two ways to go with that: lean in and monkey grip onto that moniker for as long as you can. Like 57 year old John is just like boy king, or you just you go the other way, lean away, try and make it your own. Um, but why? Why are you here? Did something happen? Was there like a a, a, a book released or some reason for you to be on my show? Well, Adam, you know I'm here. I'm here <laughs> to announce, to herald the new Tyranid Codex. Indeed. In freaking deed. We almost did this a couple of weeks ago by accident on my bad because I scheduled the episode with you. Not quite being able to read the tea leaves of when this thing was being announced because this Codex, whilst it has only you know been up for pre-order this weekend, has been around in the ether for a little bit longer, unfortunately. There were some leaks, um, which did kind of bust the lead on this one, so a lot of people knew what to expect. But hopefully this review still finds you alive and well and curious what is in this new Big Bad Bug book. But for those of you unaware, this is the Art of What Down Under podcast. My name is, once again, Adam Camilleri, and this is a review podcast. So anytime G-Dub releases anything new content-wise for 40K, I will be reviewing it, if at all possible. Or if it's worth our worth our time. Uh, there's a Phobos army of renown. Maybe I'll get around to it in a very in a very slow weekend, um, you know. Uh, but apart from things of that ilk, I will pretty much always be reviewing it with someone a luminary of the faction or someone very relevant to the content, a la the Bug King himself, John Lennon. Um, and then in part two, we disseminate what we review. We talk about uh, what the implications are of it and answer a bunch of listener questions. And if you want to be part of those questions, you can purchase part two over on a couple of different avenues because um, there's another whole half of the content. Um, and you can do that over on theartofwar40k.com where you can purchase the second part of this podcast in addition to the second part of wonderful Art of War Unbroken and Art of War Vanilla, which now has one of my favorite people on it, uh, the Paul Murphy himself uh, riding side saddle um, with Nick Nardavati. Um, in addition, you can go over to Patreon, uh, The Art of War Down Under. You can find us over there, support us, and uh, is all very greatly appreciated. Uh, so this po- this review will go for somewhere between probably an hour and 15 to an hour and 45, somewhere in there. We're going to be reviewing everything from the data sheet uh, sorry, detachment abilities up until and including the stratagem. So usually that takes us all the way through all the sub-factions, all the customizations, um, and the stratagems. That usually gets us to the first half of the book. 
and also a lot of the, the, the juicy bits. A lot of people want to hear about the strats and whatnot, but we don't do the relics or the world trades, so we don't really have time. That'll be next week. If John is willing, he'll be rejoining us. If not, there's a couple of other uh, two luminaries on my list who I'm sure will be happy to, to jump in, and then we'll be completing the review rest of this uh, codex. John, um, that's enough of my plugging. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, well, I mean, if you listen to Art of War Down Under, I'm, I'm really hoping that you're aware of the Art of War. If somehow you're not, please, please, please go check us out on YouTube and, of course, our website that Adam just plugged. I am one of the coaches at the Art of War. You can go on our website, theartofwar40k.com, and get access to the War Room, where, I think you promise, there's going to be a lot more Tyranid content coming up ASAP. Uh, uh, on the Art of War 40K, in the War Room, which you can also access on our YouTube channel, uh, we do clinics, we do coaching sessions, we do strategy sessions, we do games, we do matches. We do everything you want to get better at Warhammer 40k. As well, in the War Room, you can find our Discord community, one of the best communities in Warhammer, mm -hmm. full of like-minded individuals who are all friendly, welcoming, and looking to improve their game. Exactly right. Now, all right, preambles out of the way. Breaking out the cobwebs. First impressions time. Okay, okay, okay. Adam's hot take, and I'm sure I, I know I've kind of tested the waters here. This is the best Tyranid book they've ever done. How do you feel about that statement, John? Um, I mean, let me set the stage a little bit. Um, I'm uh, 26 years old. I got the fourth edition Tyranid Codex on my 12th birthday with a box of guns. Crazy. That's, uh, what I mark as me starting the Warhammer hobby. It's easy to remember because it's my birthday. Um, so for 14 years, I have every single Tyranid Codex. Uh, I can actually see all of them right now um, at my desk, and I can see... I throw out all my old codexes, I keep the Tyranid ones. Uh, this is the best <laughs> Tyranid codex we've ever had. Not even close. This is the fluffiest. This is the most powerful. This has the most units. It's the deepest. This has the best high fleet rules for the ones that had high fleet rules. That wasn't always a thing. Um, every, every On every level, first take, I think this is the best Tyranid codex they've ever had. I am dumbfounded by how complete this codex feels. I'm not a Tyranid player. I have been in the past. I have not been for quite some time. I Reading through this book, I'm like, I can find... I mean, I don't feel great about every archetype build, but I can see how I can build one thematically to, to that will be a very enjoyable play experience. And I see power. I see power on top of power, on top of strength, on top of power. It's, it's intimidating. As a non-Tyranid player, just scrolling through this, being like, oh, wow, there's a bunch of stuff I don't have. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Tyranids are actually one of the deeper model lines, and they have dug mm. deep to find the power. They have maybe put it in unconventional sources. Uh, but I am okay with that. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Mind you, you said something um, off the cuff before. You said that this, this feels so powerful, my little concerned. Are you able to extrapolate a little bit? Yeah. Um, this, um, I mean, I've gotten one game in so far, but this Tyranid Codex feels like it's going to hit the ground running. It feels like it's going to be very powerful immediately. I'm a little bit concerned that it is too powerful. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it hurts to say that about my, my own beloved Tyranids, my favorite army, my army that literally is never given a broken Codex. But mm -hmm. you know what? I waited 14 years, I think... I think we finally got there. I think you do. Um, I think you do. I think, um, I think this book's a little bit too good. Um, now, you know, there's balance patch updates. There's, there's you know, more codexes coming out. There's always an ever-shifting landscape. But mm -hmm. first take, looking at the meta we have today, right now, looking at the Tyranny Codex, I would say that they are uh, poised for success. 
I absolutely, absolutely agree. Uh, a couple of things to talk about when we're going to be doing this review. We'll be taking this review on face value as it stands right here, right now. Um, I've been through this book and I've asked people, I've, I've skimmed this book. I haven't had an exhaustive review myself. I know John has already. And I know many other people have. And there is nothing in this book stating whether Leviathan supplement or the Crusher Stampede is still legal and valid. Uh, they'll need to be something to come out to say that they're not because as it sits right now they definitely are unless there is yeah they are until they're not there's not there has to be something that comes out that says they're not available so we will be trying to do this in the most evergreen way possible and as, as it stands right now that includes those two uh portions of uh the the tunic lexicon um but we will be looking at this through a lens of is this good in Leviathan and Crusher? Is this good uh, in Vanilla or um, standalone by itself? So we'll oh, try and we we'll try to look through this through as many lenses as possible. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Adam. I've been looking at it the complete opposite way. Yep. I have been uh, I, I've just been looking at this. I've been assuming I'm not going to get Leviathan I, and Crusher. I'm assuming we're not going to as well because it is actually. Uh, it, it's beyond oppressive at that point at how much power there is in this book. So I'm assuming if you do get them, you won't get them for long. So I, I know most um, most tyranny players are under the same assumption, but until we read something that says you can't, you can, right? It's a permissive it's a permissive rule set. Yeah, yeah. It, as yeah. long as they still yeah. sell that book, and uh, if they're selling the book and they don't say anything otherwise, then yeah. Then you can. So we're going to be operating under that assumption, but we're going to be keeping this as evergreen as possible and making sure we retain a vision of this is all this is all the tuned content in the game. It's just this book, okay? So with the, with the exclusion of and the inclusion of, if we can keep both things modular. Now, jumping off into this review, guys, um, we're going to be going page by page, line by line through this and discussing um, the finer points. We're going to be starting off um, this review on what page, my man? Uh, we're starting off on page 52. 52 is the first page of rules right after... Uh, I guess it's 51. I apologize. Yeah. If, yeah. Give us the TLDR of uh, page 51 and 52, because I know there's not a hell of a lot there, but there's a couple of little things. Like The first one I'll note is that you can only take one um, Hive Tyrant for an attachment. That's pretty much everyone's all that coming. It's the same for Tower Commanders, same for Space Marine Captains. It's kind of everyone is right now. But what else is on those pages? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, uh, there's uh, the spore seeding uh, little box, which is basically that living artillery units, which are spore mines. Uh, basically, they don't get any benefits, but they don't break attachments. Easy. Um, they have uh, adaptations, which is their version of a chapter tactic. It works exactly the way you think. If your army is all Leviathan, then everyone mm -hmm. gets the Leviathan adaptation. There is, however, a fun little thing to note for all of you suit players in here, that it is not if a detachment is all Leviathan. If every unit in your army oh. has it. So if you take uh, Cult of the Farm Demper Detachment and the Leviathan Detachment, your Leviathan units will not remember their trait. Okay, so that is uh, so they didn't put any like traveling players caveat in that. That would allow you to put nope. like a, a patrol of uh, GSC in with your nids. That's a little frustrating. Um, yeah. I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that maybe there's an army of renown coming or. Uh, um, a supplement coming to make sure those those two can work together again. Like, you know, Disciples of Bellicor. Yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that comes, but there is nothing to indicate it so far. Mm. Um, the other thing to note is, uh, of course, the rare organisms. You can only include one hive target each attachment. Uh, everything has the normal caveats of being battleforged and match play to get your rules. 
please be Battleforged if you want to play the game. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the last thing to note, actually, is uh, the, how the High Fleet adaptations work. So there's a note in, the, in that like prelude, that preamble, about uh, what an adaptation is. So again, that's like their equivalent of a chapter tactic. And each adaptation for the named High Fleets comes with two things. It comes with an High Fleet adaptation and an adaptive trait. So mm-hmm. each of those is like half of your trait, half of it's going to be your adaptation, half is going to be your adaptive trait. Uh, the adaptive part of it comes with a special rule, um, and that is that uh, you can change it out. You can switch your army out, uh, half of your chapter tactic out at the beginning of the game. Yeah, this is really cool. This is really, really, really cool. So um, this is so I guess you could look at this kind of like... Uh, Sisters have their passions, you know, that you can pick to have exploding sixes. You can pick to be uh, better at denying spells on a five plus rather than a six plus pre game. You swap out essentially the second dot point of your hive fleet for, uh, I, I, is it three or four other options? You don't have a multitude of different things you swap it out for. Each one has like three or four other things you can rotate through, yeah? Uh, 10. 10. Okay, ne- never mind. I thought I thought it was a little bit more restrictive <laughs> than that. But there's a column of what you can swap it out for, right? You can't, it's not just like pick whichever one you want. Exactly. So there's uh, the custom traits, which are right after the normal high fleets uh, and mm-hmm. their traits. There's three columns or three tables of five choices. Okay. And each high fleet has access to a different two of them. Mm-hmm. And because they're all, they're all kind of themed. So it's the three tables that you can choose from are hunt, lurk, and feed. You can think of it very quickly as hunt are like delivery ones. They make you a little bit faster or yep. like a pregame move, whatever it may be. Uh, lurk is more defensive or like staying still objective control. Mm-hmm. Feed is damage buffs. Okay. And uh, so they'll, they'll say something like High Fleet Behemoth can go for hunt or lurk. Yeah. But High Fleet Leviathan can go for hunt or feed because High Fleet Leviathan is less about lurking around and it's more about getting to your face and murdering it. I am a big fan of this yeah. concept. I wish every army, now that, now that they've you know essentially fully stripped away all the pre-game customization from Warlord traits, um, psychic powers, uh, etc., I wish that they'd give every army something to do pre-game. Like Black Templars now have one, the Sisters now have one, and now Tyranids seem like they've got one too. Uh, so, all right, jumping in, we're going to talk about the high fleets. We usually will re- we'll talk about the entire package from a high fleet and then disseminate and discuss the whole thing as a suite of rules that you get in, in your behemoth package, I like which is the first one. Um, so I'm just going to go straight into this one. And please keep in mind, we do the hyper-adaptive bit, which is the bit you swap out. We will be going through all those at the end of all the, the actual high fleet. So have a bit of context, but it'll only really come together once we get through all the main bits and pieces. All right, so the high fleet adaptation here is hyper-aggression for behemoth each time a unit with this adaptation fights if it made a charge move was charged or heroic intervention this turn till the fight is resolved add one to the strength characteristic of models in that unit already telling you to be punchy punchy um adaptive you can real charge or made for this unit in your army with this adaptation and then, of course, like John already said, you can swap out that adaptation, the real charges, for another pick from the hunt or lurk biomorphologies. 
Uh, that's a fun word. The Waller trait here. Each time this Warlord makes a melee attack, an unmodified Rude Roller 6 inflicts one mortal wound in addition to any normal damage. Um, psychic powers is an unstoppable onslaught. It is a blessing with a warp charge value of 7. If manifest, it's like one friendly behemoth unit within sign-up's link range of the Psyker until start of your next turn. Each time a model unit makes a melee attack, add 1 to the attack's wound roll. Uh, so psychic power for plus 1 to wound. It is a 7 to get off, so not incredibly easy, but also... You, there are ways to make that easier. Um, and plus one wound for a psychic power is quite nice. The relic is monstrous musculature. Add one to the damage characteristic of melee weapons the bear is equipped with. And then lastly, unparalleled ferocity is a one slash two CP stratagem. Use this strat in the fight phase when a prohibit infantry unit, excluding character units from your army that has not fought this phase, is selected as a target of a melee attack. Until the attacking model's unit has finished making its attacks, each time model in the behemoth unit is destroyed, instead of using any rules triggered, uh, you can essentially fight on death. Um, yep, after resolving attacks is removed, but da, 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 da. one CP uh, or two, if or two CP uh, if it's infantry for one CP or if it's endless multitude keyword, it costs two CP. Um, I think actually, real quick. It's You've one CP. Exactly right. If it's a if it's an endless multitude infantry unit, it's two CP. Otherwise, it's one CP for everybody else. Um, yep, and yep, non excluding right. excluding characters. What did I get backwards? What did I blah 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 through there? Endless multitude. It costs one CP. Otherwise, uh, it costs two. Apologies, guys. Uh, a bit hazy on my reading right now for some reasons. Maybe we'll discuss another time. But I think I got everything else right there. So, what's your TLDR? What do you feel about the Behemoth, mate? Um, I love that they've captured Behemoth thematically here, because Behemoth is very much like the first hive fleet, they're like the more simplified one, they're literally just all about going up and punching in the face, but by god did they give them rules for going up and punching in the face. Oh my, yes, everything here seems pretty well tuned for being aggressive, being that hyper-aggressive adaptation, yeah. um, I, the, the, the psychic power seems like the buy-in to me, the psychic power seems... Yeah. Absolutely legit. The psychic power is great. I also love reroll charges. Yeah, just um, having reroll charges. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, we've seen like how important that can be in like an army like Black Templars. If you're going for lots of melee units, overwhelm the opponent, being able mm -hmm. to reroll all charges instead of, you know, because if you're if you're playing like a sneaky high fleet and you're like, all right, one unit's gonna charge you, you've got a CP reroll in your pocket. Reroll charges is cool, it saves you some CP, but it's not that ideal. It's when you start declaring five, six charges, knowing that yeah. you're not hitting all six, but you want yeah. to hit as many as possible. That's mm -hmm. where this becomes amazing. Yeah, exactly right. Like, let's say you've got like f three, four, five, seven inch charges. Having that reroll just means instead of getting average two out of five, you're going to get four out of five, five out of five. It's, it's a huge shift. Um, how do you feel about the strat? Fight on death on a unit, um, well, non character unit, seems pretty legit as well. Um, you do pay for the privilege. But, you know, it, it gives you some opportunities to suicide and to, say, fights last or just cop and interrupt. Um, it seems pretty nice. Yeah, it's super, super useful. Um, I'll give a little bit of context here that uh, the Endless Multitude units are your Gaunts, Wormagaunts, yep. and uh, Gargoyles. Yep. So all of your cheap one-wound stuff is going to be one CP. If you pick an infantry unit like Turned Warriors or something, that would cost two. Uh, I think it's great. I think you're probably going to use it more often than not on the two CP version. I don't actually think the one CP one's that impactful. Fighting on death with little bugs is fun. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's only for one opponent activation. It's not for the entire phase. Um, yes, exactly right. It's not for yep. the entire phase. Um, so I, I think it's a really cool strat. And uh, if you go put a bunch of melee units in someone's face, this gives you another version of an interrupt, which I, I love that it plays into hit them with a bunch of things at once. All of yeah, these buffs yeah. look like make a, make one character better in combat. Mm -hmm. 
and then have several units go hit them as hard as possible. And, and all then, your stuff just yeah. hits better because it's all plus one strength. Exactly. Exactly. Or you get you, that's a buff that's across the board. Reroll charges a buff across the board. I feel like, the, and, I, and again, I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. I think it super leans into playstyle while being pretty competitive with it. Uh, this is a, a very good solid trait. Beautiful. All right. Tell us about High Fleet Kraken. Oh, I would love to. High Fleet Kraken is your traditional uh, gotta go fast High Fleet. So let's uh, lean into it. So their adaptation is uh, after you know this adaptation, or when a unit with adaptation fights, if it made a charge move this turn, then until that fighter is resolved, each time model that you make an attack improves the AP characteristic of that attack by one. Ooh. So it's not when they get charged, it's when they charge you mm -hmm. plus one AP in combat. Here's the adaptive trait, the part that they can uh, choose to swap out. Each time you know this adaptation advances, if it is not affected by uh, the opportunistic advanced stratagem or the bounding advanced stratagem, so the stratagems to advance better, uh, do not make an advance roll. Instead, until the end of the phase, add D3 plus 3 to the move characteristic of models in that unit. Big so basically, fan. if you're not using a strat, advance D3 plus 3 instead of D6. Mm -hmm. All right, and their hyper adaptation goes for feed or hunt, which again are the is get to combat faster and punch people harder. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, that's what Kraken does. Uh, they don't lurk ground, they're fast, and they run at you. Their Whirler trait, each time your opponent uses, uses a stratagem, blah, 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 roll 1d6 on a 5-plus, you gain one command point. Um, they clarify that your Whirler has to be alive for that to work for me. Okay. <laughs> that's that's uh, fair. <laughs> their Psychic Power, Synaptic Lure, Warp Charge Value 5, if manifested, select an enemy unit within Synaptic Link Range or within 18 of the Psyker, and until the start of your next Psychic Phase... Uh, each time a friendly Kraken unit declares a charge, if that enemy unit is one of the targets, you can reroll the charge roll. So another way to get reroll charges, this time you have to charge a specific unit, but only warp charge 5, solid. Uh, their Relic, Chameleonic Mutation, love this one. Each time an attack is made against the bear, that's melee or, or shooting, yep. subtract one from the hit roll, and the hit roll cannot be rolled. Two that's for the price nice. of one, that's a that solid nice. Relic. Mm -hmm. Finally, you've got Opportunistic Advance, one command point for Kraken. Uh, when a Kraken unit is selected to move, uh, you advance with it. And each time you advance, do not make a roll. Instead, add eight, eight to the, uh, to the move characteristic of models of that unit. And uh, you cannot use this at the same time as the Bounding Advance Stratagem, which is a generic stratagem that helps you advance. Mm -hmm. And uh, you do not suffer a penalty to hit rolls for firing assault weapons in the same turn that the unit has advanced. Damn, okay. There is a lot of so none of none of these bits slap you in the face as being crazy over the top, but this is all really good quality of life stuff. Like it's all just great yeah. quality of life stuff. Um, the Waller trait is pretty meh. Um, you get a strat back on a five when your opponent uses I, a strat. I pref I don't love that because it gives your opponent the agency to to not to throttle you off CP should they want to. Like at least it's not it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. Um, while that is true, I will put a little uh, caveat there and spoil yep. the rest of the book. This is the only way to get CP back. Oh, well, that changes things. If it's the only way in the book to get CP back, then it's it's good. Because <laughs> sometimes you just, you just want It is the only way. And we'll, we'll get to the stratum session later and determine <laughs> just how much we want CP. But this exactly is the right. only way you're getting them back. Um, I'm a big fan of the, the, the Relic, dude. The Relic is awesome. You mm -hmm. love to see that Relic. Um... I'll actually say that uh, my take on Kraken is I think they're very strong, very flavorful, very fun for rushing people down and hitting them, same as Behemoth. But uh, with Kraken, I think that they actually do not want their adaptive trait, the advanced D3 plus 3. Mm -hmm. As cool as that is, I'm going to be honest here and say that there is one way to advance and charge in yep. this book. And uh, since there's only one way, which, well, I, mean, I, I apologize, there are two ways. 
One of them is a stratagem specific to a unit, and it's the opportunistic advance that it keeps saying this does not combine with. So mm -hmm. if you're going to advance in charge of that unit, you don't care. And then the other way is a spell. So okay. the way I look at this is if I want to advance in charge so badly that I'm willing to cast a spell on this unit, that's the unit that gets opportunistic advance to 1 CP advance 8. Exactly. Which means I'm never going to be advancing D3 plus 3 in charge. Because mm -hmm. the only two ways to do it are, uh, one, to use a strat that it already excludes the D3 plus 3, or two, cast a spell. And at that point, if I need this unit to charge badly enough that I'm going to risk a spell, I'm going to invest the command point to advance 8 so that it's as makeable of a charge as possible. Spot on. Exactly right. Um, now, the reason I think the Relic is, is really good, and the reason I think Relics like this are much so much better in this book than, say, a Space Marine book, than, say, and, and pretty much any other book, like a Necron book, is because your characters, a lot of the time, um, can be shot. They're over 10 wounds, unless you've got a bodyguard rule, or that, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a Hive Tyrant, it's a Trigon Prime, it's a Turvagon. You're putting relics on things that can just be shot. Sometimes um, they're very easy to target because they're very large models. So, whereas, like, you know, a six wound you know, infantry model doesn't get a lot of mileage and usually will just explode anyway, even if you do, don't get rerolls or whatever. When you're talking about something that's, you know, toughness seven, toughness eight with a four plus invuln already, and you're taking it to usually being hit on fours with no rerolls and then going into a, you know, toughness seven and then a four up invulnerable save, it really just hits another big halving of the dice. Like you, you would, if you're hitting on fours and no rerolls, you just halve the dice incoming. And then, oh, they're wounding on threes. Cool. You cut down a third and you're winning on, winning, sorry, into a four up invulnerable and you cut the dice pool in half again. And it just makes a huge freaking difference. So that's why I think things like that will stand out in this book more than others. But so you think Kraken um, is a bit more mal, it's, it's not, it doesn't seem as straight line powerful as, behemoth but it seems a little bit more malleable because you do just have that freedom to drop the adaptation yeah yeah it's a little more malleable and i also i think that it's got a little bit better tricks um i like speed on tyranids i, I like yep. going fast so i just you know do they reroll charges no but one unit's going to go like five inches further than a behemoth unit would and four tries a charge that's better than rerolling charges the relic more defensive than offensive the warlord trait i actually really like getting command points back because yeah. this is the only way um, I agree, this is not the best way to do it across the game mechanically, but it's the best way in this codex, so... <laughs> it makes a big deal, makes a big deal. Uh, I'll take it. Yep. Work for what I got. All right, jumping down, uh, let's talk about Leviathan. Now, we're, we're talking about this one, this is the first time we need to talk about context, because this thing has like a other, another, this has two pages of extra stuff, three pages of extra stuff, that none of mm -hmm. these other ones get. And one of the reasons I don't want Leviathan to stick around is because if Levi the Leviathan self sticks around, it is just the default pick that people will just always take because you get more stuff. Like uh, everything else out of the supplement that doesn't otherwise, you know, like Bloody Rose and Martin Lady. Um, the adaptation is synaptic control. Each time an attack is made against a sign-up unit um, with this adaptation, and a modified rid roll is one to three, always fails, irrespective of any abilities that the weapon or the attacker may have. And the next, next dot point, each time attack is made against a unit with this adaptation, excluding a synapse unit. If that unit is within a synaptic link range of a Leviathan synapse unit, a modified rid roll of one to two always fails. So one to three if you are synapse, one to two if you are not synapse but in synapse range. The adaptive ad adaptive portion each time a unit with this adaptation is selected to shoot or fight you can roll one hit roll when resolving that unit's attacks a la this sounds a bit like kraken as in something you will not mind dumping out when the mood takes you the and they can swap out for feed or hunt 
the warlord trait is perfectly adapted. Once per battle round, you can roll one of the following rolls made for this warlord. A hit roll, a wind roll, a damage roll, an advance roll, a charge roll, a psychic test, or a saving throw. That last one probably being the most pertinent. Um, the psychic power is Hive Nexus. is a warp charge value of 7. If manifest is select one friendly Leviathan unit within synaptic linked range of the Psyker and select one synaptic imperative ability, which you have no idea what those are because GW puts that at the end for some reason, um, uh, of a friendly Leviathan science model that is also within synaptic link range of the Psyker until the start of your next psychic turn. As next turn, that unit benefits from the synapse model's synaptic imperative ability as if it was an active for your army, in addition to the one that is currently active for your army, and if they are within six of one another, as if they were in six of one another, another rather. Um, there is a lot of text here. The relic uh, perceptic node in the reinforcement step of your opponent's movement phase, each time an enemy unit setup is reinforced within 18 of the bearer, you can select one friendly Leviathan core or character unit within six of the bearer. If you do so, that friendly unit can shoot as if you were a shooting phase. That is an auspex scan in every sense of the word, but with 18 rather than 12 being the caveat. Um, Combined Assault is their strat, which is 1 CP. Use your stratagem in the fight phase. Select one enemy unit within engagement range of two or more Leviathan units from your army until the end of the phase. Each time a Leviathan model makes a melee attack against that enemy unit, improve the armor penetration characteristic of the attack by one. Uh, if Even if they didn't get a supplement, that looks freaking incredible to me, that, that package. Yeah, if, if GW comes out and says that Leviathan, the codex supplement, stays in play, you can skip the next about 15 minutes of this podcast and just play yes. Leviathan. And it's the only one you need to know about because no one else will play anything else. But, which is a shame. Huge shame. Which is a shame. But if if it's not, then I think Leviathan is still a very competitive choice and will still likely be seen frequently, if not just every single time. Um, do, you, do you want me to give a little bit of context on uh, the psychic powers that people may not understand? Yes, please. All right. So Synaptic Imperative is the Tyranid version of like Command Protocols for Necrons. And it works in a very similar way in that uh, everyone within six inches of a synapse creature, instead of a noble or overlord or whatever it is for Necrons, gets a buff depending on the turn. Uh, Tyranids, mm-hmm. however, don't have to pre-select the order. They just choose at the beginning of the battle round. And, in order, and they have a much longer list of buffs. But in order to choose one of the buffs, they have to have a corresponding synapse creature. So, for example, if you have a Zoanthrope uh, unit, you unlock the Zoanthrope synapse comparative, once per battle, you pick a battle round, and every single synapse creature, not just Zonthropes, becomes a six-inch aura of the Zonthrope buff. Uh, we can talk about what those are later on. Suffice yep. to say, they are better mechanically than, than command protocols, mm-hmm. and you are more likely to want them. Uh, they are very good, <laughs> and there are several that, if you have this psychic power, you're going to want to take over and use it on the off turns. It's, awesome. wor- it's worth a, being a Warp Charge 7. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll say that. So, how does this shape up Sans the supplement? Like, we don't get the supplement. Where's Leviathan at for you? Uh, top contender. Not automatic, but it's a top contender. Uh, the I spell th- is super good because the, the synaptic imperatives are very strong. That and just, just they're straight up like uh, everything in your army is minus one to wound at a minimum versus strength six. Everything in the yeah. army. It's just minus one to win against strength six because that's the easiest way to, to think about it, guys. If you, a lot of your stuff is toughness five, a la, you know things like uh, Tyranid warriors. warriors. Every other troop is toughness three. The only real toughness four in the army is gene stealers now, yeah. Yeah, and gene stealers will never be taken. So uh, unfortunately, I just think Spo- that's spoiler alert. Yeah, Ra- Ravenous T four T five now. T five. 
Yeah, so but there's, there's, there's very little T4. So the only context is um, you're minus one to wound against if you're toughness three against strength six, and uh, and if you're toughness five as well. They're both they're both yeah. minus one to wound. Um, and that's only, that works out. that's only for synapse units. The the unmodified for unmodified three is to fail. So something like a ravener, not synapse T5, would still be wounded on a three by strength six. Correct. But yeah. uh, transhuman on a unit like Tyranid warriors is very important. That is a much improved troop's choice. I don't want to say it's the mm. only one you'll take, but it is much improved, so you'll you'll see people going from zero to more than zero very quickly with that one. How um, do you feel about combined assault? Because that's a very good one CP strat, to just get plus I, one. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It's very situational, and I don't expect to use it often, but I love having the choice, because a lot of Tyranid melee weapons are like AP2, and AP2 mm. is usually good enough, but every once in a while, you hit a point where you're like, you know what? I would kill for AP3 right now. And yeah. having that one CP on demand is really good. Well, I feel like if you're playing Leviathan, it gives you a bit more freedom to take crappier, save some points and take crappier um, uh, melee weapons because you can just you can just spike up when you want to for one CP. Yeah. It, it feels like you get a little bit more freedom, not always having to take the, the random claws, the bone swords, etc., etc. But... Um, oh. The yep. logic on that is sound, but I'll go ahead and spoiler it. Uh, all, the weapons, all those weapons <laughs> in the book are free. <laughs> Save cost. So never freaking mind. It's literally... Yeah, they, they baked it all in. Um, yep. But still, it's a very good strat. It unlocks it, it unlocks a lot of things. What I love the most is that when people have the stupid ignore AP 1 and 2, I don't just get immediately bone. Ah, uh, that's a great point. That is a great point. The way I look at this is that as soon as I charge bone swords, AP 2, spoiler, into Admech, they don't get a 2-up save. It's like, yes. all right, you got me. I have to spend my one CP. You're all dead now. You're all dead now. Yeah, cool. It was worth it. 11 out of 10, we'll do it again. All right. Tell us about Gorgon. All right. Hive Fleet Gorgon. Hive Fleet Gorgon thematically is supposed to be the one that's poisonous, and uh, <laughs> they live up to it. So their adaptation is adaptive toxins. Each time an attack, not, not combat attack, an attack is made by a model with this adaptation against a unit that's not a vehicle or the Titanic. Uh, an unmodified wound roll of a 4 plus is always successful. So, boom, the entire army, poison 4 plus, shooting combat, every single weapon in, this, in Gorgon is immediately poison 4 plus. I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, their adaptive trait. When a unit uh, with adaptation is selected to shoot or fight, you can reroll one wound roll. So, that's the part that you could replace. Now, rerolling a wound roll is pretty nice. Very convenient, I would say, especially when everything wounds on a 4. But if. Uh, if you have something better in mind, that is okay. You can absolutely switch it out. Yep. And what do they get? Which trees? All right. So they get feed and lurk. Feed is do more damage. Lurk is be tougher, do objective plays. Uh, I'll say it right now. Lurk is what I'm looking for. Lurk, I think, is the best of the trees. So mm -hmm. if something has access to lurk, that's a bonus point. Awesome. Uh, their warlord trait is lethal miasma. At the start of the fight phase, roll a d6 for each, not one, each. Enemy unit within three inches of the warlord. On a two plus, they take immortal. On a six, they take D three mortals. Yeah. But uh, let's yeah. go into that psychic power of poisonous influence. This one's a little more interesting. Warp charge value of seven. Select a friendly gorgon unit within synaptic link range. Uh, until the start of your next psychic phase, each time you make a melee attack, an unmodified wound roll of six inflicts a mortal wound in addition to normal damage to a maximum of six. There it is. Everyone gets one of these now, and it's in gorgon. Yep. So. Super solid. You get Wrath of Mars in, in a spell form for High Fleet mm -hmm. Gorgon. Uh, but we've got a relic as well. Hypermorphic Biology. Add one to the toughness characteristic of the bear. And if their characteristics change when they suffer damage, 
they're considered to have double the number of wounds remaining for the purpose of determining what those characteristics are. Finally, you've got a strat, hypertoxicity. Use the stratagem in the fight phase when a Gorgon toxin sacks a unit from your army selected to fight. Each time, uh, well, until the end of the phase, each time you make an attack, an unmodified hit roll of a 5 plus automatically mm. wounds the target. Ooh, once and that's I'll, a and I'll say, I'll, even though this is toxicity and things, I'll say that there's no caveat of vehicles or Titanic being mm -hmm. here. Roll mm -hmm. that five plus to hit, wound whatever you're hitting. You can just like Hormigans can just swarm over a knight, like and just put twenty wounds on a knight. It's that's kind of nuts. Easily, easily. Uh, yeah. This is this one kind of lends itself a little bit more towards a horde, in my opinion. Hmm. Because uh, you you know, frankly, if you're taking like like high monsters and things like that. Your attacks are probably wounding on fours anyway. Yep. Um, and you don't really have the volume to just dump six mortals with that with that spell. Uh, that and they got a plus one toughness uh, relic, which taking a turvagon from mm -hmm. toughness eight to toughness nine with seventeen wounds and a two plus save seems pretty good. Pretty Absolutely. good for there's that whole build. That. There's also mm -hmm. that where uh, if you are taking that relic, it really it really rewards you for taking less monsters. Because mm -hmm. the ones that you take are never going to die. The Toughness true. 9 Turvagon does not die. Does no. not die. It no. does not die. No one is That's... killing a Toughness 9 wow. Turvagon. Wow. It would be silly to suggest otherwise. Uh, they've also, yes, it, this seems like a good package, but it doesn't seem too, um, it doesn't seem too over the top. I feel like that adaptive uh, is very swap-outable. Very swap-outable. Swap That's the technical term mm -hmm. we've just coined. Um, the, the worst bit is the, the, the ball of traits. Absolute garbage. You're never going to take that ball of trait. Um, the psychic power, the relic, and the strat are all very, very usable. Yeah, there's a lot of usable things in here. Uh, you could absolutely build something themed for Gorgon, and uh, it's very easy to build to the theme. Like, it tells you what you want to do. And that is take a bunch of bugs who don't wound on fours and say, you know what? You wound on fours. I wound on fours. In addition, you have two beautiful ways of spiking damage. One CP, you wound, auto wound on fives, and then a psychic power to get six mortal wounds in addition. Like, you can just make something that wouldn't die, die. Absolutely. I, I, I honestly need to do the math on what 30 Hormigons does to a knight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's not going to be nothing. It's certainly not going to be nothing. Okay, uh, uh, that's a contender for me. I quite like that package. Um, mm -hmm. So jumping down to Jormungandr is next, or Jormungandr, whichever you want to say it. Um, high fleet adaptation is Tunnel Networks. These guys are the underground ones, so you know mm -hmm. bugs are underground. Each time a range attack is targets a monster unit with this adaptation. If the attacker is more than eighteen away, then the target is treating having the benefits of dense cover against the attacks, and that each time a ranged attack targets a unit. Excluding monster units uh, with this adaptation, if it's more than 12 inches away, you're treated as having a dense cover for those attacks. The adaptive portion is each time a unit with this adaptation is targeted by a weapon with the blast special rule. Um, halve the number of models in that unit when determining how many attacks are made with that weapon. So, Ala, if you are at 20, you will count as 10 and not cop 6 on the D6. And if you are 10, you will count as 5 and not cop a 6, uh, an auto flat 3 on the D3s. Um, the hyper -adapt adaptations, what you can swap out that portion for, is for anything from Hunt or Lurk. And we've just learned from John that Lurk is the primo section to have. The Warlord trait is Insidious Threat. In your command phase, select one friendly Jormungandr unit with synaptic link range of this Warlord. Until the start of your next command phase, each high model in that unit makes an attack. The target does not re receive the benefits of cover against that attack. 
Lurking Moors is a psychic power, which is a malediction with a warp charge value of 7. If manifested, select one friendly enemy unit within synaptic link range of this psyker, or one unit within 18 of this psyker. Until the start of your next psychic phase, each time a friendly Yomangunda model uh, makes an immediately attack against the enemy unit, improve the AP of that attack by once. That's the second time we've seen an AP increasing uh, power or strat or something. Mm -hmm. I the, think the third, if you count Kraken's ability to do it for free. Oh, that's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, so that feels a bit tower-like in just so many ways to spike AP on demand. Mm -hmm. um, Infosonic Raw is the bio-artifact relic. At the end of your movement phase, select one enemy unit within 12 of the bearer and roll 3d6. As a result, it's equal to or higher than enemy unit's leadership characteristic until the start of your next movement phase. That unit cannot perform actions. And if they can't perform actions, they immediately fail. Um, and then lastly, buried in weight 1 CP. I'm going to assume this is putting things into reserve. Uh, it's just exactly pre-game. Yep. Anything? Is there anything more to read here? Do I need to? Do I need to? Or can I blah no, blah blah? It, for this it one? is a very standard deep strike unit strap. Fan freaking fantastic. Uh, I I kind of love this. Kind of don't think it's great. How do you feel? Um, I think that this is the best adaptive trait out of any of the factions. That's very true. That's very true. Sometimes you want it, and sometimes it, you just don't. I will say, however, I don't love your Goddard. For me, it's mm. actually the weakest. Yep. Because it does a lot of things that you can simulate elsewhere. Um, ignoring cover for one unit is fine. I don't think it's that big of a deal. The extra AP in combat is fine. There are so many other ways to get it, as you've already commented on. Uh, minus one to hit at range. This is not only tied to cover, aka if they ignore cover, they get around it. Yes. It's also tied to range. And, spoiler alert, there are other ways to get minus one to hit that uh -huh. I personally think are better. And I don't love the range bands on this. I do like that one of them is 12, but one of them being 18, it's just straight bad. 18 is 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 not very far at all in this game. If people want to close within 18 inches of you, they can quite easily. Um, so I don't love that. And also the bio-artifact, Infosonic Raw. Um, Absolutely. If, if you're within 12 or something and to stop them doing actions, just kill them. <laughs> it's generally my rule of thought. If you can be within 12 of them, you can probably kill them and you should probably kill them. If you want to, it's yeah. This would be cool if you could do it like uh, at the end of the movement phase. Yeah, exactly. Like, so you could like mess with your opponents. Mm -hmm. But like, how many times is your opponent going to walk up so that they're within twelve inches of your character and then attempt an action that does not complete at their turn immediately? Like, what? Exactly. Like, what is what Who's is doing happening? That? Mm -hmm. Who's doing that? Like, what they're going to walk up a tactical squad and try a. Uh, to uh, retrieve a teleport home or not in your deployment zone within 12 inches of your army and just see if it works. Yeah, just like, oh, <laughs> okay. this might happen. Yeah, it's not going to be a thing. Yeah, we, all know it. we all know what's happened to that tactical squad. Like, exactly you're right. Sure it. And you're absolutely right. The, the psychic power is kind of the best bit, but like you said, uh, even I said, I've just noted in we've done three, three other high fleets and there's two other ways to do the same thing. So, sorry, yeah. Yormungunda. Coolest name, possibly weakest one. Yeah, we we could so far for sure. But let's uh move on to the next. We've got High Fleet Chronos. This one's pretty cool. Um bio barrages their adaptation, add four inches to the range characteristic of all ranged weapons that models in this adaptation are equipped with. Very nice. simple buff. Uh Chronos wants you to be anti-psychic and it wants you to have guns. Mm -hmm. Their adaptive trait is each time model of this adaptation makes a ranged attack that targets a unit within half range, improve the armor penetration of your attack by one. More AP generating, so that's Mephrin. Yeah, yeah. So th this is quite a quite different high fleet, which I love. Uh, their hyper adaptation can be switched for feed, the do more damage, or the lurk, the more defensive one. Lurk again is the one that I've called out as the one that I really like. 
their warlord trait is soul hunger. This one's pretty cute. While an enemy psychers within 18 of the warlord, each time you take a psychic test, suffer perils on any dice roll that includes a double instead of a double one or six. Okay. Next up, psychic power Symbiostorm. This has a warp charge value of seven. It is select one friendly Chronos unit within synaptic link range of the psyker. Add one to the strength characteristic each time they make a ranged attack. Then, of course, you've got uh, okay. the bio artifact relic and null node. Uh, there, the null node is in your command phase. Select one enemy unit within synaptic link range of the bearer until the start of your next command phase. Each time a model in that unit makes an attack, the hit roll cannot be rerolled and the wound roll cannot be rerolled. And psychic tests for that unit cannot be rerolled. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Finally, you've got the deepest shadow. Use a strategy in your opponent's psychic phase when an enemy unit fails a psychic test. Select one chrono psyker unit uh, from your army with an 18 inch of that enemy unit. The enemy unit immediately takes D3 mortal wounds. And until the end of the phase, the chrono psyker becomes an 18 inch aura of if you fail a psychic test, you take D3 mortal wounds. <laughs> so there's a very, very real scenario if you stack both of the anti-psychic things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll give a little spoiler here. 18 inches is the range of Shadows of the Warp, which makes people minus one to cast. And another side effect of Shadows of the Warp is that if you perils, you take D3 plus one mortals. Taking one additional mortal wound, yeah. So, so warlocks, you, warlocks just weep. Just, if, you, no. if you were to roll like a double two or a double one or even a double three and it's minus one to cast and you fail your spell, within 18 inches of this Warlord, you are going to take 2d3 plus 1 immortals. You're dead. That couldn't, that, that's a librarian just getting popped immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, Farseers ignore perils, but they'll still take the d3 for failing. A warlock is literally automatically dead. And the most hefty psychers are like a demon prince is suddenly below half strength and wondering where it all went wrong. Exactly right. Dude, that freaking relic is amazing. So, see, it sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. We haven't actually defined synaptic link range. Correct. So do you want me to kind of expand yeah. perhaps on what... So synaptic link range is the cell phone tower effect that we saw in Wars on Octarius. It's the exact same mechanically. It's uh, If you're within 12 inches of a synapse creature, you're within that creature's synaptic link range. If there's a synapse creature within 12 of the first synapse creature, anything in the second one synapse link range is also in the first synaptic link range they can pass their links through yep. uh, synapse creatures as long as there's an unbroken, ch unbroken chain of 12 inches, 12 inches, 12 inches, 12 inches to reach where the target is. So what this means in effect is pick a unit within 12 inches of any synapse creature at the start of your command phase. So here's, again, this is cool, but there is also the caveat on it of, okay, what unit is starting my turn within 12 inches of me and is going to live long enough to swim? That's true. That's true. So not, this is not a yeah. bad thing. And if your opponent has a Mortarian or like a knight style unit that you don't, or like a Death Star that you don't immediately kill, slapping no rerolls on it could be very powerful. But if they put a Repentia squad within 12 of your signups creature at the start of your turn, that squad will be dead before it swings back anyways. True. So it uh, sounds very cool. Mm. In practice, I think it's a little more limited. Still mm -hmm. a good relic. Yeah, the fact that it's command phase, you're absolutely right. If this said movement phase, this would be overpowered. Oh my god. This would if, be overpowered. If this was end of movement phase, <laughs> woof. Yeah. That, that, I fully agree. If it was end of movement phase, this would be an insane instant auto-take. As it is, your opponent has to move something up after mm. you explain what this relic is and how it works. <laughs> then have, yeah, if they forget, it's late game, it gets all brawly. This could be a really good late game relic of... Your last couple of units just aren't as good as you want them to be. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about the habit Symbiostone, the plus, the Symbiostone, the plus one a strength? Because that used to be a very good power. Still really cool. Um, it's You kind of need to pick a unit, a data sheet, that really benefits from this. Um, so you anything need to pick a, a strength breakpoint. Anything spring um, to mind? Do, do, do. Instant Thought is like a big unit of Raveners or Warriors. Yep. Um, like a nine-man with a lot, lot of guns. That's kind of where I start. Fair. Uh, and then it's a good place to start, you know, that's, that's a, those are powerful weapons, but I'm trying to think like what break point do I want going from strength five to six sounds really nice. Mm. Um, going, uh, taking seven to eight would really, be really nice. Seven too. To eight, it would be really nice. There's not a ton of strength seven shooting. It's actually yeah. high guard still mm. and high guard are maybe not making the cut at the moment for once. Yay. Yay. <laughs> there was much rejoicing. Uh, so how does Corona stack up with the rest? As a package, uh, really interesting. It's a very different toolkit than what the other ones show off uh, because it's all ranged focused and anti psychic focused. Uh, if there's a psychic heavy meta at any point, if for example Eldar and Tyranids are on top, then there's a lot of uh, play here, theoretically, of course. Uh, then there's a lot of play to being an anti psychic army. Uh, I love the ranged buffs, but you have to take a very different list to benefit from it. Agreed. So I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to Kronos at all, but I kind of want to get this one on the table this to me is the great x factor i like chronos yeah i don't know how good it is i can see the universe where it's good i don't know if we're in it i don't know if the units that are going to benefit the most from being chronos are the ones i want to take but they're definitely interesting to me it feels like uh you (laughs) being a chronos player is kind of the snowflake player In, in a sea of leviathan uh if you're playing Kronos, you will flip the script on what people expect to have happen in a game burst here in its, which could be in itself just a powerful thing to do. Yeah, that that could be a, a reason to justify it all on its own. Um, yeah, I think Kronos is absolutely a competitive option. Uh, is it the best? I really nah. want to get more. It's probably not the best, nah. but uh, it, it at least is competitive and it's different enough to build around that you can justify it. Because if you're too close to Leviathan, you just can't justify it. Just be Leviathan. Yeah, this at exactly. least is very different things to the point where you could try to build for it. Spot on. All right, last of these is Hydra. Uh, the High Fleet adaptation is Swarming Instinct. Um, each time model with this adaptation makes a melee attack that targets a unit containing fewer models than its own. Add one to the attack's hit roll. For the purposes of this adaptation, vehicles and monsters count as five models. The additive portion... Add one to the move characteristics of models with this adaptation, and each time model with this adaptation makes a consolidation move, it can move an additional three up to a maximum of nine. So not capped at six, which is nice. Uh, there might there might be another way to make that bigger. Um, uh-huh, maybe. Yeah, it, it, but you get the high, high, a, a pipe adaptations of feed and hunt, so not that beautiful lurk that uh, John's been touting. The waller trait is endless regeneration. At the start of your command phase, this warlord can regenerate itself. If it does so, it regains D3 lost wounds. This warlord can only uh, regenerate itself once per turn. Um, uh, Adam, you did misread that. At the start of command it phase, not, this warlord It's not your command itself. phase. Oh, it's the start of the command phase. Oh, oh, okay. Oh. So it does this twice. Does it twice per a, battle round? Twice a battle round. Uh, that's why I have to point out it can only do it itself once per turn. Um, int- you cool? Okay, that would make it a lot better. So, uh, psychic Shriek is a psychic power. Is there Witch Fire, which automatically makes me think it's going to be bad? Is a watchhead value 6 if manifests and select one enemy unit within synaptic link range of this psyker or one enemy unit within 18 of the psyker? 
Roll 1d6 for each friendly Hydra infantry unit or Hydra beast model within three of that unit. Within three of that unit? And roll 3d6s for each friendly Hydra monster within three of that unit. For each 5+, they suffer one mortal wound to a max of six mortal wounds. Yep, uh, it was like I thought. It's pretty bad. Three inches. Uh, whoa, it's just whoa, weird. Whoa. Dude, ham okay, we'll unpack it in a minute. Um, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Barb Swarm Infestation. Barb Worm Infestation. Each time model in this unit... Uh, so each time the bearer makes a ranged attack, you can re-roll the wound roll. I like this. Um, critical mass for one CP is distract. Use this stratagem in the fight phase when a hydra unit from your army is selected to fight to the end of the phase. Each time melee attack is made by the model in a unit targets an enemy unit with fewer models than its own, you can re-roll the wound roll. One CP, re-roll to wound. That is nice if you are outnumbering, which you already want to be because that's the whole buy-in here. Tell me why I'm wrong about Psychic Shriek. So what Psychic Shriek is in practice is when your opponent is, has anything somewhat close to you, you run a bunch of little idiots up on it, and then you just do six mortals to it. Yep. Uh, it's, it's for each enemy unit, and all you have are your hydras. So all you have is big units. So how many little unit? How many? How many little big units are you going to get within three inches it's, in order to do? It's, it's model. It's model. Oh, one more enemy unit. Three for each friendly model. monster model of that unit for each five plus. Okay, yeah, okay. So if I just it's... run twenty termagants up mm -hmm. right next to an enemy unit, I roll twenty dice every five plus is a mortal cap. As long as you can get twenty models within three, sure. Yeah, which is, which is essentially essentially you got two inches of bandwidth there, so you can get what three ranks. Three ranks essentially. If you pack them perfectly, you get three ranks. Um, yeah, okay, okay. It, it's very situational, but let's also add a, a little bit of a context on these powers. You already know your power for being the high fleet. You don't have to pick it. So uh, that's correct. Uh, you just get it for so, free. Yeah. Yep. A Hydra Psyker does not have to choose a Psychic Shriek. They get to pick their one or two powers, and then they automatically know Smite and high Psychic Shriek. This is a great one for all of your Psykers to automatically know, because you never want to mm -hmm. pick it. But when that comes up, if anyone is close to the hordes and you just run the hordes up on them, it's literally mm. just warp charge six, take six mortals. So I suppose the biggest use I can see of this is if somebody's trying to wall off, like they've got a wall of like rangers or some other crap in the way, and you just run right up to it, essentially scream it to death and then charge to whatever's behind. Um, so I suppose in those terms, you're right. Maybe I was a little bit too quick, um, but mm -hmm. I still think it's a lot harder. It's very hard to pull off. It is hard um, to pull off. As soon as I know that you've got this, I'm just going to get make sure that you end your move four inches away from my units. If I don't, if I'm, I have any agency in that decision making, mm -hmm. yeah, but, but then you know, you're not move blocking me to the full extent. A full extent, exactly. Going to cost me like you know, a couple of inches. Um, swarming instincts, though, the first top point there does seem very powerful, and you know it tells you exactly what you need to be doing, right? Yeah, the Hydra Hydra knows what it's about. Hydra is the the tide of bodies. It's just the swarm. Gorgon, I think, is like a toxic horde. Uh, Hydra is a classic horde. Mm. I like it. I like the package. Yeah, I like the package. I think it incentivizes the wrong units, which makes it weaker to me. The Hydra mm. rules are very good, but they buff data sheets that I don't inherently want to take. That's fair. It's trying to justify the, the B choices. Yeah. Critical mass is phenomenal, though, man. Oh, what a great strat. Huge. Yeah, that one's awesome. Is it, is it? It's just continuing to amaze me that we see uh, lesser versions of veterans of the long war, and they they're like the best thing that, they, that this you know that Hydra gets is like a lesser version of veterans of the long war. Like, 
just one CP on a unit that always just gets... Uh, this one is Veterans Long War with a bunch of caveats, you know. It's it's only in the fight phase. It's only when you outnumber. Um, and it's real to win rather than plus one to win. But it's, yeah, it's the same kind of effect. Never mind. Just moving on. <laughs> <laughs> We're up to the build your own... Uh, so, well, actually, these are the hunts, the lurks, and the feeds. You want to give us all of hunt? Yeah, well, let me actually preface this, of course, with the uh, with what the custom high fleets do. So, because you can build a custom a splinter fleet still. Nice. Uh, you can do a splinter feat that's a successor, at which point literally just use the word the the words from the yep. past seven pages, and that's good enough. Or you can choose two traits from the three tables. If you do, you designate one to be your main trait, one to be your uh, adaptive trait, and then you can switch out your adaptive for anything on the third table. So what you could do if you went custom is you could pick one thing off of hunt and one thing off of feed. And then you say yep. on your list, my feed one is my adaptive trait. So your hunt one is there permanently. Your feed one can be switched out. And when you switch it out, you go to the third table you have not referenced yet, which in this case would be lurk. And you could change it out for one from lurk. So essentially it means that you have you have one set and then your choice of six different traits instead of 10 different traits as your backup. So I think custom fleets are significantly weaker, but yep. it's really cool. I was about to say, once again, G-Dub finds a very flavorful and unique way to build your own build your own bear, you know? Um, and yeah, I don't think you, you're going to see it all that often, unless there's some phenomenally good choices here, because the High Fleets are just really well-rounded. The, the High Fleets, the name High Fleets are very well-rounded. But let's uh, read off Hunt. So again, Hunt is the one that's designed to close the distance. Each time, so the first one, Adrenalized Onslaught. Each time you make a Consolidate move, Add an additional three inches to a maximum of nine. Hmm. Heightened reflexes. Uh, whenever a unit in this uh, army is eligible to shoot with in a turn which they fell back. If they do, then they subtract one from a hit roll. So they're like ultramarines. Easy. Uh, augmented ferocity. Plus one to charge. Nice. Easy. Synaptic goading. All endless multitude units before the first battle round can make a, uh, a normal move of up to six inches if they start the battle wholly within your deployment zone. Uh, so basically, a six-inch pregame move on all your hordes. Uh, ambush predators. Units with this adaptation are eligible to perform heroic interventions as if they were a character unit. Mm -hmm. So five choices there. All of them are like delivery mechanics. Uh, some of them are kind of cool. Plus one to charge, always useful. Fallback and shoot can be very useful in certain high fleets. Um, yeah. Army-wide um, heroic seems kind of juicy also. Um Jumping down, we talked about the lurks, and these have been heralded by John as the best ones. Uh, exoskeletal reinforcements is the first. Each time an attack, uh, sorry, each time an attack with an arm penetration characteristic of negative one is allocated to a model with this adaptation, that attack has an arm penetration characteristic of zero instead. I love that. This is very good. There is so much dunking of uh, mass rend one out there that I think this will see a lot of play. Um, Naturalized camouflage. Each time a ranged attack is allocated to a model with this adaptation while it's receiving the benefits of cover from a terrain feature, add an additional one to any armor saving throws made against that attack. Once again, very good. Um, Terrestrial instincts. Model Monster models with this adaptation have the objective secured ability, and monster models with this adaptation have a wound characteristic of ten, that have a wound characteristic of 10 or more. Count as five models when determining objective marker. I'm beginning to see why John says this is the best, because these are the best. Unfeeling resilience. Models with this adaptation whose characteristic can change when they suffer damage are considered to have double the amount of wounds remaining. And lastly, synaptic ganglia. Don't you just love saying that? Um, you can re-roll the deny the witch taste taken for units of this adaptation. 
very good. And each time a psychic power is manifested by a unit with this adaptation, increase the range of that psychic power by three inches. Um, if this psychic power specifies multiple ranges, add three to the first range. Uh, this is, dude, those first two dot points are phenomenal. The third one is so much money, though. Like, wow, you're just playing against. You're playing Monster Mash, and you you got picked a, a thing that has a lurk switch around. It's like, well, I just like to be obsec this mission. It's a sick objective mission. I'd like to be obsec, uh, and you're just gonna win the game now that you maybe if not. If you a, oh. see you're playing against Shirk and spam, you can be like, you know what? Let's ignore AP one or or a or um freaking whatever it is the SMS or yeah. Airburst, yeah. If you see that you're playing against someone who ignores cover, don't take naturalized camouflage. Take, yes. If you see you're playing against Oathway, take naturalized camouflage. It's going it, to be, it's very, it's very good. It's very, this is the best one for flexing choices between mm -hmm. rounds. It doesn't uh, feel like there's any bad choice there. No, I also, I, I frankly, I actually love the reroll deny the witch tests, by the way. I do it too. Yeah. I, because you never want to see P reroll a deny the witch test, test mm -hmm. because it's always so risky. Like your opponent has already rolled high enough to pass. But if you do it for free on every single deny in an army that, spoiler alert, will have a lot of psychers, when you when you see a psychic battle coming, you switch into this and you're going to win it. Oh, it's Straight so Straight up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Give us the last. Give us the feeds. Feed. This is the damage dealing one. Stabilizing membranes. Each time you make a ranged attack, an unmodified wound roll of a six improves the armor characteristic of that attack by one. Very Solid. Nice. Exoskeletal stabilization. Uh, you do not take a penalty for advancing and firing an assault weapon. You do not take a penalty for moving and firing a heavy weapon. You do not take a penalty for monsters firing heavy weapons into combat. Ignore the, the weapon penalties. Cool. Uh, wreathed in Shadow. Each time you know this adaptation declares a charge. Enemy units cannot fire Overwatch or set to defend. Army-wide, cannot Overwatch. Ooh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yep. Relentless Hunger. Each time you know this adaptation fails a charge, you can <laughs> make a normal move of three inches. <laughs> Unstoppable Swarm, units of this adaptation ignore any or all modifiers to their move, advance, and charge. Okay. There's a couple of good ones there. That The, the feed is also not bad. Uh, if I were to rank them, I would say that Hunt is the worst, feed is the yeah. second, and Lurk is the best. But there's still plenty to get excited about in here. I can already envision you janking objectives away from people with Relentless Hunger. Oh, it's a 12-inch charge? That's a shame. I'm just going to declare this charge I don't intend to make and move on your home objective. Um, what if you declare two units that you could not physically charge? Exactly. You're just going to declare, a, like, yeah, exactly right. I'm going to declare this un unchargeable unit. I'm just going to move an extra three inches. Now that I've seen my shooting and my psychic phase, I'm just going to readjust my entire army by three inches. Um, very powerful in the right hands. Yeah, tons, tons of tricks in this one. Again, I absolutely adore that Tyranid feel of being able to change half of your trait after you see who is going first. Because that is when it. you determine this. You roll off for first yeah. turn, you already know what's in reserves, you know who's going first, you know what your opponent's army is. Mm. You could see that you're going second and switch to double uh, double cover. You could see that you're going first and switch to pregame scout moves on your hordes. You could do a lot with this. Uh, you can do a very, very lot with this. It's extremely good. Exciting. It's really exciting. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Leviathan hand hand over fist better than everybody else simply because they're supplement. But I still think even without the supplement, they're they're my best. Even without the supplement. Without a supplement, I think Leviathan is the best. But there is the caveat, and this is a good thing. Leviathan does not get lurk. I was about to say that's the only downside, right? That is the only downside of Leviathan is they do not get lurk. So if you're trying to build for lurk, 
I could see an argument for the armies that get lurk, aka Kronos, mm-hmm. Gorgon, yep. or Jormungandr. I am of the opinion that Jormungandr uh, doesn't cut the mustard. Yeah, uh, Behemoth, Behemoth also gets lurk. I, I should yep. say that. Uh, so any of the ones that get lurk have an immediate conversation piece because they are so much stronger. Agreed. So much stronger than the other two tables. Agreed, uh, dude. And that is a cool balancing mechanic that the best ones don't get lurk. It's it's huge, even. It's absolutely yep. huge. Um, all right. Literally, jumping... if Leviathan had lurk, it would be a slam dunk auto take. <laughs> exactly right. Wouldn't even. Yeah. Supplement. Who cares? <laughs> Never heard yeah. of you. All right. Jumping down into the strats. Um, Scorch Bugs is up first. This is a one slash two CP strat. Um, use this stratagem in your shooting phase when a hive, a tendril unit from your army is selected to shoot. Until the end of the phase, add six to the range characteristic and one to the strength characteristic of Flesh Borer and Flesh Borer Hive weapons, models and unit equipped with. If the unit has 16 or more models or has the monster keyword, it costs two. Otherwise, it costs one. Uh, I like I like it. It's still nice. still cool. Um, you're going to be happy when you have it. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have. Situational because I don't think you're going to want to take those units. Nah, and I don't right. think you're going to want to spend two CP on it. And then, of yeah. course, if it's a small unit, you only have 15 flesh pores. Do you care that much to have spent exactly. CP? Uh, but it's not a bad strat. Um, not, nothing crazy on this one, though. Ah, agreed. You want to alternate? Yeah, but exactly how, that's how it is. It's almost like you've done this before, mate. That's exactly All how we right. do it. All right. Voracious Appetite, one command point. In your fight phase, when a monster is selected to fight, uh, you reroll your wounds. For one CP? Amazing. Yeah, one CP reroll wounds on a monster in combat. No problem. <laughs> yeah, no easy. problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they only have a couple of attacks, right? Nothing to really see here. Oh, maybe they're re-rolling on, you know, four or five attacks. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's certainly not on 16. <laughs> never, never. never. No, so, yeah. Uh, Adrenal Surge, 1 slash 2 CP. Uh, use a stratagem in the fight phase when an adrenaline a glands unit from your army is selected to fight. To the end of the phase, if that model made a charge move this turn, add 1 to the attack characteristic, um, excluding monster models. Um, and add D3 to the characteristic of monsters. So plus one if you're not a monster, plus D3 if you are a monster. If it contains 19 or fewer models, it costs one CP. Otherwise, it costs two. This is good. Super, super duper solid. Uh, adrenal glands are a bot keyword. No one has adrenal glands. Most of the plastic kits have the option to buy it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So reinforced hive node for command point. When a Tyranid Warrior or Tyranid Prime unit from your army is selected as the target of an attack that's ranged or melee. Uh, until the end of the phase, each attack is allocated to a model. That unit subtract one from the damage characteristic of that attack to a minimum of one. If the unit contains five or fewer models, stratagem costs one CP, otherwise two. Boring. Boring. Just <laughs> minus one damage on your warrior. Uh, it's Those real three wound guys never need minus one damage. They're still three wounds? They are still three wounds. They're... they're- that's really good. <laughs> Real good. I'm so tired of minus one damage. My God. <sighs> Fair. Yeah, at least this one's a strat not built in, but still, uh, there's a lot of minus one damage out there. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Observer Organism 1 CP is your stratagem in your shooting phase when an Xcreen model from your army is selected to shoot. To the end of the phase, each time the model makes an attack, the target has not received the benefits of cover against that attack, and I modified a hit roll of six scores, one additional hit. That is a good one CP when you need it if you have an Exocrine. Uh, yeah, I will say that um, Exocrines that move half distance already ignore cover. Okay. So this is a little bit weird. Yes, that's very, very strange. It is strange that they have a data sheet rule to ignore cover and a strat to ignore cover on the same model. So that kind of like limits the fun for me. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. But exploding sixes for one CP is hardly a bad thing. 
Nah, it's fine. Um, like you, you'd almost... you ever move, yeah, if you yeah. ever move your full move to get an angle and then you're shooting into a forest, I, I could totally see it. So it's a big increase to your hits. Yeah. How many shots do they have? Uh, six plus D3, and they no longer double shoot. Okay. So the exploding six is, is at best on nine shots, and on average, that'll be at best two extra hits, essentially. Yeah, um, usually one, but occasionally yeah. two, yeah. So for one CP and you already ignore cover, uh, maybe, maybe it's sitting on the shelf. You're probably not using this. Probably not. Um, but that's okay. That's, we're allowed to have a couple duds. Indomitable monstrosity, one command point. When a hive tendril monster is selected as a target of attack, uh, until the end of the phase, each time attacks made against that monster, an unmodified wound roll of one or three, or one, two, three, I should say, for that attack fails. Uh, it's transhuman. One command point, transhuman hmm. monster. Yeah, it's only on a monster who obviously have high toughness, so it's not as applicable as putting it on a toughness for Space Marine, obviously. But not too bad. I mean, but but is this ever going to be... Need it, when you need it, it's nice to have. It's only ever going to really be minus one to wound, right? Rather than the minus two that, that a toughness four or toughness three model would get, yeah? Yeah, and on occasion, of course, when you get hit by that salamander multi-melter, you're like, yeah. boy, am I glad I've got this. <laughs> yeah, that's but true. In general... Yeah, this is still just a nice thing to have. Exactly right. One CP, it's it's, it's fine. Mm -hmm. it's um, power, power of the hive mind. One CP uses stratagem in your psychic phase. Select one hive channel psychic unit from your army until the end of the phase. That unit can attempt to manifest an additional psychic power. That is phenomenal. When we are, we're going to be unpacking the rest of the psychic phase next week, but that I'll uh, keep that power in mind because that's I think that is an every turn power. It's a bread and butter. Yeah, super super solid. Let's go to death frenzy. Two command points when a Hive Tendril character is destroyed. It has not already been uh, in the fight phase. When a Hive Tendril character uh, that has not been selected to fight is destroyed, instead of using any other rules like Death Throws, which is their explosion, they fight on death. So it's a 2CP fight on death for your characters that have not fought already. And if they have a degradation profile, they're counted as top bracket. There it is. That's I want to see that on every fight on death. Every fight on death now. Yep. So uh, love this. You know what? It is. This is just a good thing to have. It's not for monsters. It is only for your characters. How much better? Although, how much better would Dread Knights feel if that was their fight on death? Like, yeah. if it was top profile instead of bottom yeah. profile, mm -hmm. that that would be better. Yeah. But also, <laughs> your Dread Knights, your Dread Knights need to be better. I don't know, man. That's true. That's true. You're right. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, was there anything else to unpack there? Nope. That's it. Pheromone Trail, 1CP, use your strat in your charge phase. Select one enemy unit within six of a high fleet Lictar model from your army. To the end of the phase, each time a friendly high fleet unit declares a charge, it targets the enemy unit. Add two to the charge roll. It's good. And yep. just guess what? There might just be a Lictar worth taking in this book that we'll discuss later. It's been a while. I don't know, man. <laughs> Synaptic Channeling, this is a fun one. Uh, use strategy in your psychic phase. Select one high fleet Psyker. It now knows the powers of every single Psyker on the battlefield. Crazy. So if you have a Psyker out of position, but you really want its spell, and you want it somewhere else, mm -hmm. fear not. Spend a command point. It's a good flex. Very it's good, good flex, flex. flex. Yeah. Yep. All right, Synaptic Legacy, 1CP. You just strat the start of the battle round when selecting a Synaptic Imperative ability to be active for your army. If your ward is on the battlefield and has the Hive Tendril keyword, th this turn you can select the Synaptic Imperative ability of a destroyed model from your army instead of one that is uh, not on the that is on the battlefield. Note that unless otherwise allowed, you can still only you can still cannot select that ability if it's already been selected earlier in the battle, so you can't use them again. Um, so, e.g., like you know, it's your Canticle, your uh, uh, doctrina. Yep. Exactly. So the super solid because uh, 
each synapse unit grants you a, uh, a different synapse comparative that you unlock for your army. If you lose a key synapse unit early, you lose their linchpin unless you spend this one command point. Exactly right. So really, really love that one. Trampling charge. Oh, oh, so good. One command point when you uh, finish a charge move with a monster. Uh, select mm-hmm. an immediate within engagement range of the monster and roll a d6. If the monster has the horned chitin keyword, on a 2 plus, they take 3 mortals. And on yep. a 5 plus, they take d3 plus 3. Horned chitin is going to be something like a hive tyrant, a tyranifex, a turvagon, a maliceptor, yep. or a carnifex that paid 5 points to get a keyword. It's the big, thick monsters with spikes. <laughs> if they don't have the horned chitin keyword, think of harpies, carnifexes that didn't pay points, a toxicrin, stuff like that. Uh, on a 2 to 4, they take d3 mortal wounds, and on a 5 plus, they take 3. Do you know why this is messed up? Because there's another strat that just does six mortal wounds on the charge that exists in the game right now. See, I just don't think there is. I don't think there there can't be, Adam. They, they we can't, can't be. We cannot they, have that. They, they can't exist. I can't be taking 12 mortal wounds from one monster charging me. That just died for two CP. That's just... A, uh, I'm just going to throw up in my own face. Like, just horrific. Yeah, absolutely horrific. Uh, great stratagem. Great amazing, amazing stratagem. <laughs> okay, uh, in folding strike one CP, use this stratagem and you move in phase. When a parasite of Mortrex model from your army finishes a normal move or advances, select one enemy unit uh, that you moved across and roll a d6. On a two to five, the unit suffers d3 mortal wounds and becomes infected with parasites. See their parasite infections on page 108. On a six, it suffers three mortal wounds and becomes infected with parasites. So either way, as long as you don't roll a one, you're going to be having some parasites. That doesn't sound fun. I'll right. give a spoiler alert. Parasites means you do d3 mortal wounds in their okay. next movement phase. Yeah. So it's essentially a two d3 mortal wounds. You just mm-hmm. get d3 now, d3 later. It's quite good for one CP. Yeah. Uh, all right, we have a couple. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what you're doing. You know, TLDR. All right, rarefy enhancements and hive predator are two stratagems that you may have seen before. You can buy extra warlord traits. You can buy extra relics. No, if never played heard. Ninth never edition, heard yeah. If you've played ninth edition, this is the exact same as every single other one of them. It's, it's just brand new to me. Let's read them all in in great detail. All right, all right. <laughs> Subterranean assault is the next one. <laughs> One command point. In your move at the uh, reinforcement step of your movement phase, when a Trigon or Trigon Prime is set up on the battlefield using the Death from Below ability, select a High Fleet unit with a Troops Battlefield role that is currently in Strategic Reserves. Set the unit up anywhere on the battlefield, wholly within 9 of the Trigon slash Trigon Prime, and more than 9 inches away from any enemy models. So one command point turns your Trigon Prime into a drop pod for your Troops units. Exactly right. Um... Don't hate it, but I'm trying to I figure out what the application. Yeah, exactly right. I'm trying to figure out what the application is. Like, what units are you? What combo do you have that's actually going to use this? And I'm I'm struggling. Um, so next up is rapid regeneration. One CP. You just charge them in your command phase. Select one hive trainer model from your army, and they regain D3 lost wounds. Each model yep. can only regain wounds once per turn. Uh, that's actually really good when you need it. Good. Yeah. One CP. Good when you need it. Um, invisible hunter for one command point. Select a lictor from your mo- uh, model from your army that was not set up on the battlefield this turn. Uh, this is at the end of your turn. Remove that model from the battlefield. Then in the reinforcement step of your next movement phase, it arrives uh, more than nine inches away uh, from any enemy models, wholly within nine of any battlefield edge. Nice. So guerrilla tactics? Yep, guerrilla tactics for lictors. Uh, it's fine, but since lictors have a little bit less of a uh, R&D, retrieve document data use, 
Then a, a troops unit. This is limited strat, but still it's fine. It's still fine. Uh, overruns up next. Uh, this used to be one of the best stratagems in the uh, previous fear book. Not, Adam. I fear not. It's, no, it's nowhere near as good. One CP. Use this stratagem. Uh, damn, God damn it! <laughs> you just charge them at the end of the fight phase. Select one hive chattel unit from your army that has made a charge move this turn. If there are no enemy models with engagement range of that unit, models in that unit can make a normal move instead of making a consolidation move. Ah, oh, it's really good still. Damn, still <laughs> really good. Yeah, notably, uh, it's at the end of the phase, not after you fight. So yep. you, you can get the kill with anything and then get the movement with something. That's true. So you don't need to do it immediately after they attack. You can see. You can. Yeah. You can. Uh, yeah. It's much better, the sequencing. Yep. All right, next up is Char uh, Shardler, one command point. Strategy when you're shooting phase when a ranged attack made by a synapse unit from your army scores a hit against an enemy unit. Uh, until the end of the turn, each time a friendly high fleet unit declares a charge, if that enemy unit is one of the targets of the charge, roll an additional d6 and discard one of the dice when making a charge roll. Hmm. So if you hit something with a synapse gun, 3d6 charges into it for your whole army. So that's the... Is that the second or third uh, make make charges more better strat we've seen? I think it's the second. It might be the third. Second so far. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Just really strong. Uh, Alright. Uh, endless Swarm, 1 CP. You just strategy at the start of your command phase. Select one Endless Multitude unit from your army. Up to D3 plus 3 destroyed models can be added back to that unit with their full wounds remaining. These return models can only be set up within the engagement range of enemy units already within engagement range of the unit they've been added back to. Um, sorry. Uh, or, that are already within engagement range of the unit there. So, ooh, okay. Mm, 1 CP for D3 plus 3. Like... Necron Warriors wish they had this strat for one CP to get minimum four warriors back. That's that seems really good. It is very good. It is, of course, on Endless Multitudes, which I'll spoil again, are Tormagods, Tormagods, Gargoyles. Yep. It's the things you would expect. It's the one wounded but hits that are cheaper. You're going to get a lot of jank out of that. It's a lot you of jank. You can get a lot of jank, a lot of that. It's similar to the Poxwalker strat for Death Guard. Yep. Uh, but there is the nice part where it's more reliable. You're always getting four back. And I feel like it's, you can if, use it on the same unit multiple times. Of course, not in a turn, but each turn you can use it on the same unit. I feel like it should be a 1 slash 2 CP. 1 CP to get D3 back, 2 CP to get D3 plus 3 back. Uh, maybe, but on the other hand, consider that these are you're just getting idiots with t-shirts. That's that's true. You're not but getting what, Necron Warriors. What, what I'm considering is the fact that every time you use this strat, you're probably going to be getting more primary. Yeah, you're going, to be, it's, you're going to be using it to swing because it's the start of your command phase. You use it to you use it to get more numbers on objectives, take objectives you didn't have, cross. Oh, yeah, yeah it, this you're going to be oh, using this, this when is, it's going to change the scoreboard. This is take a giant unit of gods and yep. put one or two in line of sight, touching an objective, and be like, if you can kill all thirty in one go, you kill me. Mm -hmm. If you Otherwise, don't, I pull out a line of sight and I just grow onto the objective. Exactly, and I exactly. will do that until you stop. So it, it very much puts that pressure of you got to get the whole thing the whole shebang all right and that's difficult to do you're up all right um next up for john uh let's see let's go with uh, instinctive rampage one command point when a hive fleet hive tyrant model from your army is destroyed by an enemy unit until the end of the game each time a tyrant guard unit declares a charge if it targets the enemy unit add four to the charge roll each time a friendly hive tyrant uh, tyrant guard unit makes an attack against that enemy unit plus one to hit plus one to wound <laughs> if you kill a hive tyrant 
Tyrant Guard will be very mad at the specific very unit that mad. does. So kill the kill the Tyrant Guard too, because they are going to kill you back. Plus four to charge is hilarious. I've never I, seen plus four I to charge before. I love this strat. It Me is too. both solid without being broken in any way because you have to lose a hive tyrant to activate I know. <laughs> it. it is also so fluffy it but is. it's fluffy in a good way this I'm is just, great i'm this just imagining great. angry hive guard that like they're expressionless so what does it look like when they're angry it's like huh, i'm gonna get you and they have no eyes no ears yeah it's weird they're just screeching yeah absolutely screeching <laughs> all right bounding advances up next one slash two cp you use stratagem in your moving phase when a hormigant unit from your army is selected to advance till the end of the turn each time that unit advances do not make an advanced roll instead add six to the move characteristic of models in that unit this unit is still eligible to clear a charge in this turn even though it advanced if it's 15 or more models it costs so 15 or fewer it's one otherwise so it's 16 or more is two uh this is this is the reason to take Hormigans if you're going to take them because you just get to go and put them right in your opponent's grill turn one. Yep, this is the this is the absolute reason to take Hormigans. It's the only way to advance and charge besides a single psychic spell. So yep. if you want a second unit to advance and charge, it has to be Hormigans. It's fair. I, I yep. can't say they're awful in the because they get to do that and that is such a unique and powerful thing. Still, um, the yep. auto advance. The, the auto advance six is just a really nice cherry on top. Yeah, and they move 10, so that'll take them to 16. I, I was about to say, you'd almost pay it just to advance and charge. I mean, you wouldn't pay the two CP. If it was well, one in CP to just advance and charge, hell yeah. Every time, baby. I would what, do it. To, to get the plus six as well? I mean, there is an argument to just have a bunch of 10-mans and just... Here's another 10-man to gum you up and ruin your, ruin your primary. Here's another 10-man to gum you up and ruin your primary. Here's another 10-man to gum you up and ruin your primary. First three turns of the I'd game. I'd pay the 15. I'd pay the 15. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Let's do it. So uh, encircle the prey one commander point. Uh, at the end of your turn, so this is not in a phase. Awkward. Uh, select one burner unit or one fly unit from uh, your army. Remove that unit from the battlefield. In this reinforcement step of your next movement phase, set that unit back up anywhere in the battlefield. More than nine inches away from any enemy models. After the battle ends, they die. Um, okay, so huh. one CP end of my turn. Uh, yeah. This is the awkward part. It's end of turn, which theoretically means you can use it multiple times because yes. they're, they're not in a phase. Exactly I think right. it's very reasonable to just use this once per turn. I agree. So I play it that way, people. Please don't. They, they, that has to get fixed. There's no excuse for paying it's four CP to reserve four units. It should just say, turn. yeah, it should just say end of, end of the, the morale phase. End of the morale phase, done. Uh, but Encircle the Prey is awesome because Fantastic. it lets you go take a, a unit, go do things with it, and then leave. And because it is end of turn, it happens after you you do all your end of turn things. Mm -hmm. For example, you could walk out onto an objective, score a stranglehold, and be like, wow, I'm right in front of their guns. And then you leave. And then you leave. And you just skip their turn and come back in yours. Like, it's yep. very good. After you've done everything you want to do in your turn, you leave. And then you just come back when convenient, which is after they're done shooting and charging. I think this is great. And you have a bunch of uh, charge inc like charge increasing things. So when you come back and arrive from reserve, you have a lot of opportunities. Exactly. You're not immediately useless if you yeah. come in from reserves. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up is Spore Clouds for 1 CP. You use strategy and you move in phase when a Spore Caster unit from your army sele is selected to remain stationary. To the start of your next command phase, add 6 to the range of that unit's aura abilities. Uh, that seems extremely specific. Sporecaster, is that the Spore Assist? Sporecaster is uh, the Venomthrope mm -hmm. and the Toxicrine, who both have Oh, okay. Oh, because Spore Clouds, of course. Yep. Yep. 
Well, adding six, like you get a unit of five venom throws and add six to the range. That's like the whole freaking board. Yeah. So I will note that it's instead of making a move. Mm-hmm. So if you need your aura in one place, just move there. That's true. But it is kind of cool that if you're trying to spread the aura as much as possible, you can park the venom tropes and just like churn, 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 pump out as many spores as possible and make it a big old cloud. Agreed. So very cool strat. I'm not going to use it off, but it's actually a very nice one to have. All right, moving on. Let's go into Toxic Entanglement. This is the other uh, spore uh, stratagem. Uh, this is the Toxicrin one. Use a stratagem in your shooting phase when a Toxicrin model from your army scores a hit against an enemy unit that is not an aircraft with a ranged attack. Spoiler alert, it has a gun that is 8-inch range only. Okay. Roll 1d6, and on a 2+, have the movement characteristic of models in that enemy unit. If a charge is declared with that enemy unit, it must charge the Toxicrin as one of the targets cool. of the charge. If a charge is declared with the Toxicrin, the enemy unit must be one of the targets, and you add two to your charge roll. Cool. That is fun. That is fun. Yeah. Are you going to see a Toxicrin in people's armies? I am not Some- sure. Sometimes yes, they are they are improved. Not well, that's but improved. Like uh, so, they're they're what? They're no longer. Never mind. Never mind. I was going to hate on the toxic cream. Has seen enough hate. I do not need to add to it. There you go. Uh, This is a weird thing where you're having the movement of a unit, an enemy unit within uh, eight inches of your army because there's a toxic cream shooting it, and yes, it cannot charge the toxic cream. I'm sorry, it has to charge the talk screen, which is kind of cool. Honestly, like, I, I almost want to do this on, like, uh, a scary unit that I don't want to uh, deal with. Mm-hmm. Like, run up to it, shoot it, and then, like, ignore it for a turn. Yeah, it's the suicide talk screen, because you're going you're gonna, to... Uh, is, is it an assault weapon? It's a shooting weapon? It is, it's, it is an assault weapon, yeah. Turns so out very many heavy. You, you can move in advance, and maybe, who knows, maybe you hydro, you advance more better, or you have another ability to advance more better, um, and mm-hmm. you get behind it between so you're on the other side of that scary unit to the rest of your army and then you shoot it with the toxic green and like hey well you're not charging into the rest of my army you're charging away from my army now or you're not doing anything because you have to charge a toxic green yeah yeah uh, or there there needs to be a caveat on here that it's like as long as the toxic green is alive because i'm going to be perfectly honest i kind of like shoot mortarian with the toxic green charge mortarian get chopped in half and be like i'm sorry mortarian you, have you can't to charge the ghost of the toxic. <laughs> you can't you charge next to You have to continue to pummel the corpse. You're not allowed to do anything else. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he got toxically entangled. It's right. As, as, as it sits right now, yeah, you're absolutely right. But, you know, within playing within reason. Playing within reason, I think we know yeah. that if the toxic screen dies, this goes away. Yeah. Uh, Impaling Hooks is up next, 1CP. Uh, so that the toxic screen one was 1CP also, if we missed it. You just strat in the fight phase. When a flesh hooks unit from your army is selected to fight until the end of the phase, each time a flex hook, flesh hooks model. Uh, in that unit makes a melee attack against the enemy unit. Add one to the hit roll. Yeah, cool. Yep. Doesn't work against monsters and vehicles, but one CP plus one to hit on flesh hooks is cute. Totally fine. Uh, again, no one has very few people have flesh hooks, but it's very easy to buy them. Usually just lictors, yeah. Yeah, they're the only one unit that comes with a base. Yeah. Uh, Psychotropic venom for one command point. Use a strategy at the start of the morale phase. Select an enemy unit that is within engagement range of a lash whip or toxic lashes unit from your army until the end of the phase. Subtract two from the leadership characteristic of models in that unit, and subtract one from combat attrition tests for models in that unit. I don't mind this because it's at the it's in the morale phase. So when you see there's a pivotal like test coming up and you want to swing it or you want to you know make sure they use insane bravery and you can spend one CP to make sure they waste two CP or something. I don't mind that, but few and far between is the application. Yeah, it, it's very cute. Um, there are other leadership shenanigans. 
So I don't mind the idea of uh, stacking it, but I don't think you go out of your way to put this in. It's just that there happen to be a lot of last trips in the army anyway, because why wouldn't there be? Um, then you go ahead and like pop this on occasion. Uh, just it's, it's really cool if your opponent is out of CP or they don't want to spend two CP mm. or they've already used insane bravery and you can get a bunch of value on them. Um, I honestly kind of look at this as early game. It's one CP, make your opponent spend two command points. Exactly right. That's then, how I thought about it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just cool. Uh, it's very situational. That's okay. Uh, yep. Next is you. Um, acidic torrents, one CP. You just drag him in the fight phase when a unit from your army that contains any acid mores is selected to fight. Select one enemy unit within engagement range of that unit. For each acid more infantry model that is in that unit that is within engagement range of the enemy unit, roll a d6. Uh, sorry, or 3d6 if you're a monster. On each 3+, plus, the unit suffers one mortal wound to a maximum of 6. Um, so who comes with Acid Wars? I know Gene Steelers can, of course, purchase them. Are there any others? So a Gene Steelers squad can have up to 2 Acid Mars. Pyrovores, a unit of up to 3, come with 1 Acid Mars each. A yep. Carnifex may purchase an Acid Mars, and that is it. Okay, so the, the opportunity to do 6 mortal wounds doesn't seem possible. I, there is no way that I've determined to do more than 3. Okay, so <laughs> good job, Dita. Good distinction. I don't mind. I don't mind future proofing here, but also like, what on earth? Yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. Um, it's fine. You're never gonna do it. Yeah, you're never. If you need a mortal wound, there's value, right? The, yeah, sure. Like if I charge pyrovores into a two wound freaking character, I'm gonna spend the CP. That's that's very true. That's very true. But you're not planning on this. This is just a cute thing. That's it. exactly right. Uh, Corrosive Viscera, though, two command points. Use a stratagem in a fight phase when a model in an acid blood unit from your army would lose a wound. Until the end of the phase, each time a model in that unit would lose a wound as a result of a melee attack, roll 1d6. On a 4 plus, the attacking model's unit suffers one mortal wound hmm. after making all of its attacks to a maximum of six mortal wounds. What's got acid blood? Acid blood is uh, a pyrovore. Yep. I want to say the horror specs, and I'm I'm tempted to say Tyran effects. I'm I'm not sure. There's That'd not many acid bloods. Uh, I know that it is the uh, you used to be able to buy acid blood. Mm. Uh, nope, Tyran effects don't have it. Uh, definitely the horror specs. Definitely pyrovores. Maybe toxic rings. They've got a lot yep. of keywords. I like I like this strat um, mm -hmm. uh, because it's almost like it's essentially a fight on death in a lot of intents and purposes. Yeah, it's just a fight on death mortals, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, Blinding Venom is 1 CP. Use a strat at the start of any of the fight phase. Select one enemy unit within engagement range of any gargoyle units from your army until the end of the phase. Each time a model in that unit makes an attack, the hit roll cannot be rerolled. Each time a model in the enemy unit makes a melee attack, subtract one from the attack's hit roll. Uh, not bad for when you were just using your gargoyles to tie people up and make sure you don't get killed yeah. on the slapback. Like, you know, I put, <laughs> you know, cha chapter master, five chapter master assault intercessors will just go straight through freaking gargoyles but now all of a sudden they may not yeah i also love that there's a huge disincentivization to your opponent to charge multiple units with gargoyles <laughs> being one of them yeah you yeah. do not want to charge gargoyles and something mm -hmm. else because the gargoyles will be like oh you are so much worse in combat than you were thinking. exactly right yeah i actually quite so, like this one I, very cute really fun for gargoyles makes them a good like distraction screen that actually like harasses the opponent yeah instead of just being a wet paper bag that they blend through oh, wet paper bag. <laughs> this is true all right last one is up mate it's all you all right pathogenic slime one or two cp 
strategy in the shooting phase when you're selected to shoot until the end of the phase each time you a model that unit makes an attack an unmodified hit roll of six automatically wounds the target if you have the toxin sack keyword the strategy costs one cp if you don't it costs two so that's it it's uh nice and simple i think it's good it's any unit so any hive it's any unit and it just yep. depends how many cp it costs this is good this is really good it's really good for warriors like spiking up to to you know, push through on a vehicle as well, things like that. Um, yeah, great strat. All right, and that brings us to the end of the suite of strats available to Tyranids. And I feel like they have just about one for every occasion, if not two for every occasion. Yeah, there's three or four strats in here that I think are incredibly mediocre. There's mm -hmm. three or four strats in here that are very, very strong. And everything else is just pretty damn good. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of pretty damn good in this book. Mm. Uh, Everything has a use. Almost everything has a use. Almost everything has like a real situation to take it. A lot of them are broadly applicable. You don't have to take this exact unit. Um, just across the board, good strats in this book. Yeah, it's I, it's. I'm I'm looking scrolling through them. I don't see very many, if any, uh, shooting buffs. Literally, it's literally just the exocrine ones. The only one I can think of scrolling yeah, through. Yeah, the pathogenic slime and uh, and the exocrine are the only yep. shooting buffs. But there's a lot of movement buffs, there's a lot of exactly. mortal wound output, a lot of charge there's a lot buffs. of tricks, yep. and there's a lot of charge and fight buffs. Yeah, exactly right. I was about to say, it's mostly, from my mind, it's a bunch of mortal wounds, a bunch of charge buffs, and a bunch of movement jank. And then it's just a bit of a sprinkle here and there and everywhere. And so I, I, I try and do that to see what G-Dub is tell how G-Dub is telling us to play the army, what they're incentivizing. And yeah, shooting is seemed to be the only thing that they're, they're disadvantage disadvantaging from a mission. I'm not saying that they don't want you to play that way, but that's the only thing they're not giving you double and triple down opportunities on. Um, and that will bring us to the end of this portion of the review. Please join us next week for the continuation and the completion of it. But John, how is things sitting with you right now? Hive fleets are great. Stratagems are great. Uh, all, so far, all signs are looking up. Like this is a this is a real good start to the book. Exactly right. I I only feel I feel like there's literally one high fleet not worth playing, and that being Yormungandr. Uh, apart from that, the other five are literally if you are playing the right units, you can make a very good case for them. Especially Hydra. Like if you are playing that build, Hydra is just very 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 good. But not so, I don't I don't do not believe that that build is where the strength is for this. You know, a couple of my friends in Australia are going to be like Gaunt carpet, but legit they'll probably still play and do very well. Um, yeah, the strats are just possibly one of the most complete toolboxes i've seen without anything overtly seeming overpowered like there is yeah. not there isn't a shoots twice there isn't a single fights twice um and there's only one move twice which is overrun which comes with caveats of having killed everything in engagement range and having made a charge so you know they're not the multiple activation juggernaut that they have been you know eg um you know hive commander um metabolic overdrive um double shooting double fighting etc etc uh which was to be expected um so yeah, I mean, I, there's a couple of things that I thought I'd see uh, because I know people like yourself, John, had hyped up some shooting units to me, telling me things like biovores are very good, things like pyrovores are very good. I was expecting um, supporting strats for their shooting abilities, which I didn't see. Um, but I see a lot, a lot of things to make this army extremely dynamic and flexible. Yeah, there, there's a ton to work with here, not a doubt about it. Um, there's a ton of options. This feels like the best toolkit of strats since uh, that I've yes, seen dude. since Adamek. I think yeah, Adamek is the only army that's comparable. Great call. Great freaking call, because that is so true. Yeah, and the same thing, Adamek didn't have... They had a couple of strats that you saw every turn, mm -hmm. but it was mostly a ton of strats that you used once. 
Yeah, exactly Tyranids right. feels the same way. There's probably one or two strats that I'm going to use several times a game, and a lot of things that I pop once a turn when I need it, or once a game when I need it. Spot on. Well, on that note, we will wrap up this part one. We have about... 40 questions that have been submitted by the Patreon group and the subscribers. Uh, if you want to have any of your questions answered on the on the part two of the show, please go over and support us over on Patreon or over on theartofwar40k.com. John, you're an absolute legend. Will you be joining us next week, putting you on the spot? Absolutely. Fantastic. So tune in and we will have a wonderful John uh, to complete this review with and then we'll be giving our ratings for how good we think this is. Uh, right now, I've got this in S tier. I will not be saying where in S tier it is because I'm. I, we may be having a balanced data sheet coming before this comes. This episode comes out or just as it comes out. So I'll, I'll wait and see until the end of next episode. But my man, anything you'd like to plug before we tune out? No, I've already plugged The Art of War, but I'll say it again. Check us out on our website, theartofwar40k.com. And check out our YouTube channel, Art of War 40K. Thank you so much. Do you have any? Do you have any tuning games coming out this week? Uh, two. Yeah, I'm gonna have one on YouTube and one in the War Room. So if you're not a member of the War Room, that is where the spiciest Leviathan tech is gonna be shown off. Ooh. Uh, uh, what, what are your matchups? What are you playing into? Uh, the current plan, and again, we've got a de- balanced data sheet coming sometime Looming. soon. We don't when, so we may change it. Is I'm going to play into Necrons on Wednesday and at Craftworld Eldar on Thursday. Le- playing into Siegel and Necrons is the literal litmus test for any new book. You see how it holds up against the, the Siegel and Necrons and you go from there. Or are you playing against Nemesis or Nick? No, no, it's definitely Richard. Yeah, exactly right. Every time there's a new book, you just like put it into like the baseline. Is it good or bad? Is Does it pass the Richard Necron test? Um, I believe you will smash him. If you don't beat him by 40 points, I'll be disappointed. Bring shame. Shame upon your people. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody beats Richard by 40 points, so never mind. Uh, but yeah, please go over and support uh, Art of War and all the crazy and amazing endeavors that they and I do. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Hope you will join us for part two, guys. It's going to get spicy. Uh, say goodnight, John. Good night. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K, hosted by Adam Camilleri, produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under, signing out from tomorrow. Tomorrow.